I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I am lucky enough to be joined today by both Kyle and his dad, Out of Spec Dave. Thanks, y'all, for hopping on to talk about today's topic. How's it going? Great. Good. Yeah, we're excited to talk about supercharging V4 and some of the miscommunication around it. Right. There's been some things out there ranging from people seeing, uh, like tweeting out what they're seeing, putting up, uh, Tesla putting up and calling it V4 superchargers. We've seen even stories of V4 superchargers being put up in Asia. And they're, I mean, people are pretty confident. Look, the V4 is coming onto the public network. But Kyle, you have, uh, I mean, a different take, really, not really even a different take, but a bit more information because it's a little confusing for some reason. So I want to like kind of talk about that, what is really going on, what we're really seeing in terms of V3 and V4, and just kind of clear up some of that because there's a lot of talk out there about it. So let's start off, um, Kyle, when you were checking out the Model 3 Highland refresh, uh, when you were over abroad, you also did see this, right? So this is the V4 that we're looking at. And people can check this out. Kyle's full tour of the new Tesla Model 3 refresh that's on the Out of Spec Reviews channel. And so tell me about this. What did you see when you were in Germany, along with the Model 3 Highland, of course, but this specific charger that they had there? Yeah, uh, well, and that's what you're looking at. You're looking at the version 4 dispenser, which is different than the charger. So basically everything that you can interact with as the user with Tesla charging stations. And I'll back up in a minute and explain how they all work. But essentially, this is V4. This is the longer cable, so it can reach multiple ports. You can see how tall it is there compared to Alyssa. It's a really tall unit. And, of course, this particular one was CCS, but in the U.S. there'll be NACs. Um, maybe with the built-in Magic Dock we've seen as well. There's so much to get into. But the main topic of this video is to counter a little bit of enthusiasm, which is we've yet to see a version four charger. We don't know what V4 is yet. So I actually think it's interesting. Tesla calls them version four chargers when 
They're just not. So maybe before we get into it, Dad, you can explain what you know, the rumors you've heard of V3 or V4, because I know you had some questions before we shot this one. Yeah, I, I do. So V2, 150 kilowatts. V3, 250 kilowatts. What I've heard is V4 is actually 350 kilowatts and 1,000, is it volts or amps? Yes. Okay. And, <laughs> and what I've also heard is that if you have, like, for example, one of the things I was confused about with a V2, um, I'm sorry, a V3 with my Lucid was that I was, even though that was 250 kilowatts, I was only able to charge at 45 kilowatts with my Lucid. But if I found a V4 that was putting out the proper energy, I would be able to charge it at a much higher speed. So all of that is a little bit confusing to me. Okay, yeah, I, and I think you've confused our audience in that uh, <laughs> explanation well, I mean, as well. Okay, so, but that's good. Uh, it shows that okay, yeah, the, Tesla does not do a very good job of explaining to drivers what the heck they're plugging into. And um, I think you brought up a good point. We need to start at basically the beginning and work ourselves up to where we are today with Tesla infrastructure, high power DC charging infrastructure. Uh, there was older V1 stations from way back in 2013, maybe it was. Those only output, I think at the time, 90 kilowatts peak. Those, all of them, there's none, no V1s left. They've all pretty much been version two chargers. And version two chargers are uh, basically an external cabinet that are feeding two supercharging posts and they're labeled 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B. And you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. That's all we used to have to charge on. And um, that is a 150 kilowatt cabinet that feeds two dispensers. So if you're a single car, you'll get 150 kilowatts. If you're two cars, there used to be some like logic as to the first car that got there got more power now they just force split to roughly 75 kilowatts each and uh that's pretty understandable that's why tesla actually recommends to leave a space between cars a little bit like uh you know if you're going into a men's restroom you leave a urinal space you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those situations you don't park next to the guy next to you you leave some room and this way at least at the tesla supercharger you get maximum power at a version two site. I think most people are comfortable with that. You're with me so far, right? I am. Okay. Those version two superchargers prove to not have enough power and to not offer enough throughput for so many people driving EVs and with newer technology requiring faster charging. So Tesla launched the version three supercharger. And interestingly, the version three and the version two supercharger look almost identical to the user rolling up to them. They have the same exact enclosure. The only difference is the version three has a much thinner liquid-cooled cable. Now, does it make sense to you why a higher power charger has a thinner cable? Well, if it's being cooled, yes. Um, you, need, you need more metal in a version two cable to dissipate the heat out, but, it, but in the more sophisticated V3 dispenser that's got liquid running through the cable, you can go to a thinner cable. Yep, absolutely. 100% correct. And Tesla is pretty magical that they're running, to get kind of nerdy for a second, almost 700 amps, sometimes over 700 amps in extreme situations through this little tiny supercharger cable. And now it doesn't hold that power for that long, but it can do that. Now, the way that version three superchargers are set up is you have a single cabinet that's roughly 360 kilowatts, 
now feeding four posts. And again, it can output per post up to 250 kilowatts. So in theory, if you have two cars that pull up, you're going to have a derated charging session. But does that happen in the real world? Not really, because not all cars that are 0% state of charge. Well, that's that's partially true that not every car that rolls up to a station can accept maximum power all the time. Right. Uh, but what's really cool about version three superchargers is you can link those cabinets together. So if you have an eight stall supercharger, now you have two 360 kilowatt cabinets that are linked together. So if you all plug in on one A, B, C, and D, and then let's say two, A, no, only A, B, C, D, excuse me, and you have two A, B, C, D, because again, one cabinet, four posts, it can site level power shift all of the extra capacity from other lower use chargers to the one that is underserved. For At the whole the site? Yeah, it can link, I think, eight, oh. seven or eight uh, strings of four superchargers. Okay. okay, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, pretty cool. That yeah. is cool. And so that's the magic of version three supercharging, which is you can have a massive installation that, you know, some of them are 80 stalls now. And, you know, you can have a bunch of Teslas plug in at one area that might be more convenient to park or easier access from the roadway. Um, but it can take the extra charging capacity from other unused cabinets and shuffle that extra power up to where those cars are charging. So most of the time, and you and I have actually experienced some derating, but most of the time when you plug into a V3, it doesn't matter where you plug your car into, unlike a version two, you'll get full power every time, 250 kilowatts. Most Tesla owners are used to that. There's only mm -hmm. really two scenarios that you wouldn't get 250 kilowatts, which is your car can't accept it. Either it's an older Tesla or your battery's cold or hot or something like or that. Or like my LFP pack. Right, yeah, or or you know, like your car just doesn't can't accept it. can't accept it, right. um, or the site is maxed out, which means all of the cabinets are working as hard as possible. It's rare, but it does happen at times where so many Teslas get there on a road trip at the same time with low state of charge, and you might only get 160 kilowatts or 130 kilowatt charging for a short period. As someone unplugs, you'll watch your charge step up. As another person unplugs, you'll watch your charge step up again, and it's just you know, site level load distribution, which is magical. Yeah. Really interesting. So definitely a jump in capability and, you know, just advancements from V2 to V3. So you can imagine that V4 people are, of course, you know, excited to see this roll out. And when they see a little bit of what they think is V4 coming out, especially with the higher power capabilities, right, where you get excited, um, of course. But what, what else is... Uh, I guess we haven't really seen these out there, but like you said, um, Dave, what we're expecting from the V4 is more than the V3. But Kyle, what have we actually been seeing out in the field so far? Well, at, the, at least at the time of this recording, we have multiple version four superchargers under construction in North America, but there's already operational multiple version four superchargers in Asia and in Europe. And, Based off of the photos of the installations in the U.S. and what we know about how the European sites are working and how the Asian sites are working, the only difference between version 3 and version 4 is the actual charging pedestal, the dispenser. All of the version 3 logic, the 360 kilowatt cabinet, the power sharing with the DC bus between all of them, that all seems to be unchanged. Now, um, with version four chargers, looking chargers, I think it's going to cause some confusion because Tesla owners are going to, 
Oh my gosh, we got thumbs up going up here on the screen. I don't know what happened there. But That's anyway, a new update. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, if you hold things, then Jordan okay. does it all the time. You can do like fireworks and stuff. Pretty fun. <laughs> okay, interesting. It's a StreamYard thing. Okay. Uh, but I think it's going to cause some confusion at supercharging sites because people are going to be like, oh, V4, epic. And then they're going to get the same exact charging experience that they've had at V3. Right. So pretty and, confusing. Well, partially is we don't have a Tesla yet that can accept more than 250 kilowatts. It's hard coded right. into the cars at the moment because mm -hmm. I've plugged my Tesla into a you know multi megawatt charging station when I was visiting uh, with new NXU in Arizona. And of course the car only wants, you know, it's 260 kilowatts at that point, but I can get that at a supercharger at times as well. So some of it has to do with the cars needing to accept more power. And mm -hmm. some of it has to do with the charging infrastructure from V3 to V4 is unchanged seemingly, um, except for the dispenser. Now, maybe we should talk about the benefits of the V4 dispenser because they're not insignificant. Uh, first of all, you have a much taller dispenser, that big white block. And that is great because it means you have longer cables. Dad, maybe you can talk a little bit about the need for long cables at superchargers with Magic Dock, which by the way, before you explain, every version four supercharger seen under construction in North America contains the Magic Dock so far. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the cables that are attached to whether it's a V2 or a V3, they're just short. So, you know, one of the things about Tesla's is that consistently across all the product line, whether it's a 3 y an S or an X, the location of the charging port is in the exact same position on all their cars. And I assume it is on the on the um, the CT as well. But <laughs> did you just abbreviate Cybertruck to well, I CT? I, I live in Connecticut, so I can do that. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's the Connecticut car. It's the Connecticut <laughs> car, right? So, however, if you drive any other car, um, the, the location of the charging port is in all, all kinds of different places. So, so the challenge is, for example, if you drive a, a Ford F-150 Lightning, which the port is up in the front left and you pull in, what you're gonna end up doing is blocking one charging spot, which normally the one that you plug, you're, you're parked into is the one that you would charge at, but you are going to have to use the charging uh, dispenser to the left of the parking spot that you're in. So you're actually mm -hmm. blocking one and, and putting, and then even if you do pull an F-150 in, I remember when Tom first charged, they had those, what do they call them? Ballasts that were, were bollards. Yeah. Bollards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever. You couldn't really get close enough. So the benefit is you got longer charging cables. I can see from V4. That's got to be a huge benefit. Yeah, it's is. twofold. So in terms of servicing more vehicles without the need of like blocking other stalls, Tesla seemingly is installing the version fours centrally in the parking space. Previously, they were offset to uh -huh. be closer to the charging port. So okay. now it seems, at least with installations and with the lines and the way everything's going, they're pairing them centrally and a significantly longer cable. Now with a longer cable and with expected higher power means we need a thicker cable and it is. It is a thicker cable than a version three. It's gonna be a little bit harder to handle. It's still not as bad as like the 500 amp Huber Schooner cables that Electrify America uses. Uh -huh. It's an immersion cooled cable, which is a newer technology coming to cables it's really awesome. It means basically everything's, uh, I guess, drenched or uh, submerged in, uh, you know, water glycol or some oil bath, some sort of uh, dielectric fluid, if you will. And that is, uh, it allows the cable to be as thin as possible with the most amount of cooling. It's not the cheapest way to make a cable, 
Um, but Tesla has proven, at least with their power electronics, they don't go cheap. They go for the best and they have the best connectors, the best hardware. And I think the, you know, just from my time experiencing the version four, I haven't used the North American spec. I only used the Euro spec. That cable was magic. Now, I don't know how the uh, NACS plug is going to necessarily look, how the handle is going to work for the US. My understanding is on the side of the charger, if we can bring up the video where the credit card terminal is, uh, there's some more benefits, of course, to version four dispenser than a version three. Uh, the first being there's going to be a built-in magic dock, at least for the US spec versions. And what that means is um, if you roll up with a non-Tesla vehicle that requires CCS, you'll be able to you know, activate it with the app, pull out the CCS dock, and then charge your vehicle without a, a separate adapter. You've shown this. You were the first one on YouTube to show it, Dad. The yeah. Magic Dock in Brewster with the GV60, yeah. right? Yeah. So you had you were that was cool. You drove there in the middle of the night as they turned I it know. on. I know that was pretty cool. That's yeah, dedication. A year ago. Yeah, I think it was February twenty eighth. Um, and 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 so so, Cal. Just a quick question for you. If so, you know all this this discussion about all the other manufacturers moving over to NACS to support that and that requiring an adapter of some sort. My question is, if if all the V4s that are out there have the magic dock, then you won't need to use the adapter. Is that correct? Yeah, this is the interesting thing. Tesla, and, and maybe for another podcast, we definitely need to talk about this because we were pretty, after the initial rollout of magic docks, we didn't see any more going in. Um, and we now assumed that that was because Ford, GM, Mercedes, everyone decided, hey, we're putting the North American charging standard port on our cars and for all of our existing vehicles, we'll supply our drivers with an adapter. So we thought magic dock is done. It's killed. What is, what do you need it for anymore? But then Tesla went on like a magic dock installation spree. We have a podcast on that and we, none of us could figure out why we still don't know. We have no idea other than to service the existing EVs for the next two to three years mm -hmm. until native NACS ports become common. Right. I guess I guess I get that, but there's still so many V3s out there without v Magic Dock. The, it's the vast majority of them. So the, the so the adapters then I, I guess the question was and I do want to ask some more questions about V4, but if you go back to let's say let's say I have an F150 or Maki -E and they come out with the uh, adapter in April of next year, let's just say. That adapter what I'm hoping is is it actually will add length to the cable of a V3. I don't think it will. You don't think it will? No, oh, because really? it's, it's a heat generation point. You want to make your adapter oh, as short as possible. Okay. Yet you want to basically, you don't want an adapter in the first place, but if you need one, you want the run to be as, as short as possible. Okay, that, yeah. that, that makes sense. So, so, but so, yeah, you're right. So V3 charging for non like localized charge port is going to be an issue. There's no way around it. I just did a video actually mm -hmm. on this. Did you watch that one at all? It was in Berlin. I think uh, so, yeah. Where Tesla made supercharging free for everyone in Europe. Yeah. And that meant all bunch of different cars showed up at superchargers because they're yeah. all use CCS. Yeah. There. And it was a little hectic. It worked because like what seemed like everyone whose ports were on the wrong side kind of congregated to one side of the charger because everyone was offset. Right. And then there was a little gap where one charger wasn't really being used. And then everyone with the I don't want to use the word correct, but with the Tesla style charge port in the back left or front driver no front passenger or driver back they all congregated to one side all right so can i ask a question about v4 yeah all right so 
What I've learned on this video so far is that there's a difference between the charger and the dispenser. Those are two very separate very, things. Very different things. Right. Okay. And so for a while, I thought I heard you say quite a few months ago that you believed that V4, that chargers, higher power chargers, would actually be integrated with V3 um, dispensers. My first question is, do you still believe that's going to happen? Well, we, we discussed not higher power, but higher voltage. Higher voltage. Yeah, separate topic. And it kind of almost seems like no. It doesn't seem like Tesla is going to integrate native 800 to 1,000 volt support on V3. Uh, however, Tesla does say with V4 they will. So that right. does bring up an interesting point, which is if you're going to have a V4 looking dispenser, and this is where I was coming to with the customer education standpoint, but it's hooked up to the same existing equipment as version three chargers. Then can you take I advantage of that if you have the 800 right. volt architecture, like the Cybertruck and other EVs like the Hyundai's, right, that are going to be able to access the network? Right. That's the big question. And based off of what we've seen in Europe, no. When you roll up with a Taycan or an eGMP vehicle to a version 4 Tesla supercharger in Europe, they still have the same 500 volt cap as V3. They can't natively charge the Lucid at you know its needed speeds or the eGMP cars or any other 800 volt vehicle. And um, this is where I think it's going to get a little confusing because Tesla has almost, my understanding, has told automakers yeah, you're going to have to use your onboard boosters for V3 stations, but for V4, we will support a thousand volt. I think that's what we kind of all understood. Right. But now if you're putting V4 dispensers hooked up to V3 hardware, holy smokes, this gets confusing. There's two possible outcomes here. The first is the version four looking dispenser and the version three cabinet will have a different configuration and they may be set up differently using the same enclosures as version three chargers in the US to support a thousand volt native. Let's hope that's the case because based on all the photos, again, not no V4s have been turned on in the US yet, but based on all the photos, all the conduit, everything we've been analyzing, there is no difference in the charging hardware. Well, the only benefit I could see is that if like in that example we talked about earlier where you're an F150 Lightning and you've got the longer cable and or and and you have the adapter. Let's say it's not well, it's, a magic dock, but, but every it, uh, V4 is. Oh, V4, every V4 will be magic dock. Well, at least so far. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. But but at least then the benefit is even if you're not getting the higher uh, power anything more than let's say 250 or the or the voltage is the same as V3 the charger itself then at least you've got the ability for people not to hog up two station two different yeah, you know, totally. Charge. The so, longer cable is a benefit. Yeah, we're we're right. not saying version four isn't the version four dispenser isn't better than V3 because there's other benefits to the V4 dispenser, which is a built-in screen and a credit card reader and not having the need to actually pull out your app to pull out the magic dock. You can actually tap your credit card and it's going to release the magic dock station now. Right. Is how Very we think cool. it'll work. Mm -hmm. It's going to be epic. But there are limitations here that we don't know what's going to happen in the US. Have they reconfigured it so that the V4 looking dispensers can do a thousand volts and charge the Lucid at full power and charge eGMP vehicles and other 800 volt? We don't know because we haven't seen yet. My guess is it's looking like no. It's looking like we're going to have the same limitations as version three chargers. The next question is, will they add more 
uh, cabinets for the number of posts, upping the total site level power. Because keep in mind with V3, like I mentioned, you can do cabinet power sharing. You don't necessarily just need one cabinet for four posts or two cabinets for eight posts. You could have three cabinets for eight posts and do extra power sharing to increase the site level total power output to vehicles. That's going to be needed as they're charging Rivians and Lightnings and Cybertrucks that are going to hold high power for longer. We don't know if version 4 will integrate that based off of the initial sites that we've seen. No, it seems like one cabinet for four version 4 posts, at least today. And then really the big question is, if they're just using the version 3 charger with the new dispenser, what is the version 4 charger going to be? And that's no one has seen yet. And that's what I wanted to communicate in this podcast, which is we have yet to see a version four charger. We've seen version four dispensers hooked up to V3 cabinets. But e- even in Europe? Right. That's what we were saying. Yeah. No, I'm it, saying because, okay. Yeah. They're all 250 kilowatt maximum, same as version three. Huh. Yeah. And in Asia, of course. All right. So then the question is if those, if the v, V3 chargers, those boxes, those white boxes, if they open those up and change out the power modules in those, when they get enough, you know, uh, enough V4 dispensers out there, then maybe that that's what their plan is. So you get the right. V4s in the ground, and then mm-hmm. le- you know, at least give people power now, mm-hmm. and then we'll go back and go to the, and retrofit the V3 chargers to have the V4 power modules, in or them. just the whole unit. Maybe the whole we, unit. we don't know what version yeah. four will be. It could be that the North American installs that we've seen that haven't been switched on are V4s because we they haven't seen them inside the of them. That's yet. true. They just look the same. That right. so, but we don't know. That's the thing. So when even I think I we Tesla is like, we installed the first V4 in the Netherlands, and it's like it's not a V4, it's a V4 dispenser, but not a V4 charger. And so Half. the only benefit is the credit card reader and the long cable. Which are added benefits. We're seeing them cater to this sharing with the CCS, you know, and thinking about the designs, the site designs in that ways, which is great. And just also improvement of a a longer cable. Of course, it gets a little bit heavier, but that's part of it. And so the mystery remains a little bit if, if there's a V3 look, but maybe underneath is V4. But overall, it seems like we're getting half V4, but still the V3 V3 that we're used to and not yet the V4 capabilities that we think are going to come so that I have one last question just on this on V4 do do we know has Tesla communicated what the end state in terms of the maximum output of V4 is going to be no. I've read things that it's 350 is that just a rumor do Yeah we- I think Elon may have said 350 kilowatt and above in the future for charging, but th- we don't know. We don't know because again, keep in mind, version three charger is three hundred sixty kilowatts already. We've already talked. About <laughs> so, so you have one three hundred sixty kilowatt oh, right, cabinet right, right. feeding four dispensers. Right. So then, what would version four be? Is that going to be a five hundred kilowatt cabinet, or are they just going to use the same three hundred sixty kilowatt cabinets and stuff more of them in there? I see. We don't really know. And that's the big point of this podcast, which is everyone's like, oh, V4. It's like, we we don't know what V4 is yet. And it might be amazing. They might come and just wipe the charging floor of everyone. And V4 will be huge power at any voltage range. 
uh, and it can charge a Lucid at 300 and what did we get on that car? 350. I think you saw 351. 300. Yeah. Yeah. Three over 350 kilowatts charging on a Lucid. Maybe Tesla can do that at that point. Then I think we'll see maybe Lucid and Volkswagen group with some high voltage cars switch to Nax because they're really Mm -hmm. the only ones holding out at this point is Lucid, Volkswagen and Stellantis. Watch us post this podcast and one of them will switch tomorrow, <laughs> which is what happened with the Toyota one this past week. I said, oh, and Toyota hasn't switched right after we posted the podcast. They switched. <laughs> hey, listen, Kyle, you know what? With my Lucid on a derated 350 EA, I got faster uh, speeds at 50 kilowatts than I did on a Magic Dock with my with a Tesla. Right, but is that the fault of, I mean, let's talk about that for a second, because I think a lot of people like to bring that up. Is that a fault of Lucid or is that a fault of Tesla? 100% Lucid. How is that the case? Because, the, it, listen, here's the, here is a car that's supposed to charge as fa- the fastest charging car that you can buy, maybe with the exception of the Hummer. Am I wrong? Hummer charges faster. Okay. All right. So I pull up to a 250 V3, right? The, the, the unit's capable of putting out 250 kilowatts, and I pull 45 kilowatts. Okay. How is that the fault of Tesla? Uh, because the they're car. not supplying the power that they're claiming they can give you. So the car, Lucid, we let's get into this really quick because yeah, we're going may as well. The car would be asking for a certain amount of power, right? And well, then the car, yeah, you're totally yes. Go ahead, Frenzy. And then the charger should give it. So yeah, right. how can you tell between who is not either asking the right question, right? The car, if we're personifying these things, or if the charger is not able to give that energy, how can you tell Thank the difference? You. Thank you. Okay, I'm coming to Lucid's defense here because I really feel for them in this. Okay. When Lucid engineered the Lucid Air, okay, they wanted to go for the highest voltage possible. The under, un, and understandably, because you get the least amount of charging losses, you get the least amount of driving losses with higher power. Again, higher voltage means less current, means less heat loss. I think we all understand that concept. When they were designing, how are they going to integrate the car with the existing high power charging infrastructure that was in America? Every charger that could deliver more than 50 kilowatts in the US, every single one could go up to 950 volts. Okay. So imagine you're looking, you're saying, hey, I want to make the fastest charging car and I want it to be 924 volts fully charged. Well, every charger that can give me more than 50 kilowatts can match my pack voltage. So why would I need to put in an onboard booster that can do more than 50 kilowatts? Onboard booster adds weight, adds cost, adds complexity. But they said below 50 50 kilowatt and below, all those chargers are capped somewhere around four or 500 volts. So you need a booster for low power. Okay, does that make sense? You would make that decision too. You wouldn't say, let's not spend an extra $1,500 per car, just throwing out a number. And- my grand touring with the big battery pack, what was was nine twenty nine twenty four nine twenty four hundred percent charge. Right. Okay. And so when you would plug it into a old ABB fifty kilowatt charger, it would the car would say the charger would say, "Hey, I can't get up to nine hundred and twenty volts." The car will say, "No worries, give me four fifty, okay, and I'll step up the voltage on my side using the Wonder Box in the car." Mm-hmm. It wasn't until well into series production of Lucid Air that Tesla opened up the network with Nax. Mm-hmm. And it then at that point, you know, years into the production of, or at least years after the design and a year plus into production, series production of Lucid Air, now you have a new problem, which is, oh boy, you have chargers that can do 250 kilowatts, but they can only go up to 500 volts. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you do as you're Lucid? You have to completely you have you have a couple options that you need to choose from you need to either 
re-engineer your booster to say, let's do 150, 200 kilowatts, something around there of, you know, basically 500 amps at 400 volts, 200 kilowatts, and boost that up into your pack. So that means requiring a new, larger, likely with more cooling component in the vehicle, which is going to cost a lot of R&D time engineering to make that work. Make sense? Mm -hmm. The second option they can do is re-engineer, maybe through software, but also with a hardware retrofit to use the motor's inverter to boost up the power like Hyundai, Kia right. do. And they have silicon carbide inverters in the air and some of the best motor technology out there. And I truly believe they have the durability cycle to do the boosting internally. Maybe they couldn't do 200 kilowatts consistently with that, but at least 150, yeah, something reasonable. That would have been fine. That could be cool. Or they could actually do a split pack where they could, at least with new series production, they can install contactors in the pack to have the voltage. Isn't that what Porsche does? No, that's what Hummer does. Oh, Hummer, it. that's right. And yeah. Hummer splits to higher voltage, Right. Um, which is going to be interesting because I'm not 100% sure what happens when you plug a Hummer EV to a version 3 supercharger that can only output you know, 500 volts. I think it doesn't go in the split pack. Mm. I think it keeps the pack as a uh, you know parallel run rather than a series setup. Anyway, back to the Lucid conversation. Any of these three options that they could do is going to take R&D. They need to run tests. They need to run durability on all of these things. They need to engineer these things. The components to do this don't exist, by the way. They have to create everything from scratch, then they need to validate it. Then they need to think, okay, how are we going to do this to the older cars that are already on the road? And most of those are not possible without many thousands of dollars of retrofits. If you want a larger onboard booster, you got to pull the whole car apart, put in a new component. That's 20 grand, maybe more if it's possible. And then extra cooling, like you have to build a whole new car. So Lucid got really screwed here because no one predicted Tesla would open up the supercharger network, which would be a very high current, but low, uh, low voltage application for charging. It just wasn't, I didn't think it would happen. No one thought this would happen. So you and Francie blame, blaming Lucid for this situation. I'm sorry okay, to come okay. like, out. I, I just learned a lot. But what I do blame Lucid for is not explaining that to me. Sure. Right. I was That's highlighting not. the fact that they're just, you know, there is a for question quiet. there. How can the normal person know? Is it is it me? Is it the charging service? Because a lot of people pull up, they have a problem, and they're like, who do I pick a fight with? Sure. Well, and, and you can, to I totally agree. The they, are, they have some of the best educational videos I've ever seen on, on the, the technology. And I'm an educated consumer. And why don't you just tell me why you can't go next? Sure. Well, they could go next. They would just no, be no, limited to be 40, 45 kilowatts. 45 kilowatts. That, right? so, mm -hmm. so is it the better decision for Lucid to say, go to a supercharger and get 45 No, kilowatts? the better decision is to not do next until the V4s are out there in the real chargers, right? When at the higher voltage and then explain to consumers why they're not going next now. Totally agree. They can say, hey, we want to do this, but we have to wait. Mm -hmm. Because right. we Absolutely. need, they need Tesla but to the step silence, up to the plate. The silence of right. not explaining that, it, it, you know, it, it just frustrates me. Well, thankfully, Lucid doesn't have to explain it anymore. We've just done that on this podcast. Well, I got do, you. do you feel less frustrated now? Now understanding I, the position I, they were in? I, I feel for them. You know, sometimes when you go for the better technology, the newer technology, right? It, 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 there's no doubt it's better technology, but it's not practical in today's dispenser. Like, you know, that's that's the thing that frustrated me. Well, that's totally true because the network, the only network 
countrywide network that they could rely on was Electrify America right. yeah. because they're the only ones who have a high power, high voltage yeah. charging network countrywide. And when you found a good one, it, it, was, it was magical. Yes. The problem was finding one that wasn't occupied by a bolt. Sorry. <laughs> sure. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or, or wasn't derated. Yeah. So you're, you're totally correct. Lucid chose the, the best option at the time. Yeah. And this, if they had known during the R and D process of the air that Tesla may open up the superchargers one day, which we assumed would be a walled garden forever. Right. I totally a hundred percent believe they would have come up with either a bigger booster for the wonder box, use the rear motor inverter or split the pack down to 400 volts. There's no DC doubt. Charging. They know, they know how to do this. Oh yeah. I mean, these are some of the smartest guys out there. And what's cool is like, it's I amazing. know the people who work on this. So yeah. sorry to come to their defense on this one, no, but no, like I spoke to them in person about this when I went to go visit and they were just like, we are just as frustrated as, but for me, as a consumer standpoint, as someone who bought that car, yeah, right, and I pull up to a Magic Dock and I'm getting 45 kilowatts, and every day I'm waiting for them to announce snacks, announce snacks, and they don't do it. Like, what is that? Yeah, yeah. So their communication on this topic, I agree, was lacking. Yeah, hundred percent. They left. They are leaving the owners in the dark to the problems here. But uh, Out of Spec Podcast just did the communication job for them, so they no longer need to communicate this <laughs> because people can just watch podcast. the show. Yeah, maybe we should break the show into two components, Lucid and Tesla. <laughs> right. Maybe. Just a real world, real world example of how this is affecting EV drivers. So, yeah, Kyle, thanks for diving into the details. It uh, obviously, as many things are in the EV space, was confusing. There's yeah, not a, a ton. No, no, not what you did, but just the situation at hand. You know, there's V3, V4. We think we're seeing V4, but not quite yet in the U.S., so still waiting to see. We will have to just really, I don't know, try to see behind the scenes or just get actual facts about what they are deploying in the field. But well, hopefully I think, this yeah, cleared this up. Things. Sorry mm -hmm. to interrupt you again. I know you're trying to end the show, but I want to keep talking. A uh, right. <laughs> um, couple things that we need to do here. Uh, as soon as a version 4 supercharger opens in the U.S., someone has to go there with a Hyundai Kia Genesis or a Hummer EV or a Lucid and see what power they get on the magic dock again keep in mind one thing we hadn't talked about up to this point version three superchargers with magic docks as you mentioned are rare they're also only limited to the nameplate power output of the dispenser which is 350 amps if the nameplate power output of the version four is higher in the us it means the magic dock might do 500 amps which means a rivian could get 200 kilowatts even on the existing infrastructure so there might be some benefits to having an upgraded dispenser with the old charging hardware for uh, vehicles that need higher current that are still at low voltage. It would be IX, Mercedes EQ products, Rivian, ID4, anything that pulls 500 amps at a charger. Hopefully that will do it. Even, uh, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but we need to find out. The second thing is, is it a different charger that they're installing that can go up to a thousand volts? Mm -hmm. And we don't really have the answer. Based off of the photos, everything we're seeing, it looks like it'll be identical performance to V3. But yeah, like Francie was trying to wrap up the podcast, we just don't know. So no one has seen a version four charger definitively yet. We've seen version four dispensers. I've played around with them, but the experience has all been hooked up to V3 cabinets. So to be determined, to be seen, and to be understood a bit, a little bit more by more folks, it seems like. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe we need to redo this podcast in the future. Comment below if this is too confusing and you need us to get some infographics up here or something. 
Yeah, we can definitely do that. I mean, there's a lot of things out there and have a ton of visual aids because that is what folks are seeing when they pull up to a charger and to be able to identify that would be super helpful. So yeah, let us know in the comments. Did you think that they were V4s? Did you know that they were V3s? Let us know. And overall, th thank you both for joining us. And of course, Dave, for your questions and everything yeah. and the fun, heated discussion as well. So yeah, do, you, do you think, Francie, after hearing that, who's at mm -hmm. fault, Lucid or Tesla? It sounds like uh, there was definitely a miscommunication. Lucid used the information that they had, right, to move forward with their plans. So I think that I'm not surprised by it, uh, you know, that things change in this space. I think that if we're thinking it's going to go one way, you should always fully consider the opposite action, right, uh, and what could happen. But you have to make business decisions moving forward. So I see what you're argu arguing, Kyle. Yeah. I, I think there's no way Lucid or anyone could have predicted Tesla would have opened the network because that seemed like the last possibility. And it seemed like any new infrastructure that was going in would be a thousand volt plus capable. And so I can't fault them at all. I can fault them on other stuff, but not on this topic at all. The communication, sure. Totally agree with you yeah. on that. Yeah. But who do you think, who, whose fault is it? Is it Tesla not providing the energy that they claim when they say use a magic dock and it gets 250 kilowatts? Meanwhile, there's no possible scenario you can get 250 kilowatts from a magic dock because A, voltage limitations, and B, they're 350 amp limited. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I'll give you my thought and then we can end this. Yeah. Francis, I can talk to, about this all day. To jump out of his, and we'll probably will tonight. Yeah. Uh, look, look I, I think what Lucid built and delivered to the marketplace was had such incredible vision and hats off to them for doing it um they couldn't see foresee what was what was happening with tesla but at the end of the day not not putting out an explanation as to why they're not joining nax to me is insulting as a consumer get that with you a hundred percent i think um the uh, to sum it up maybe I, i'll piece together everyone's you are mad at you think it's lucid's fault for the communications but Absolutely. tesla's fault for not matching the current standard of ev technology of high voltage no, I, and high current charging I, that's I, how i feel I, I i'm not sure that you can fault tesla for this there's a there's there's a, a path there's a vision a vision that's going to happen and it's going to take some time for that to be put out and i think lucid i'm, I'm sorry i think tesla is on that journey right now they're showing evidence of the V4 dispenser, I, 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 you know, is it lipstick on a pig right now? If you've got this beautiful dispenser, there are benefits having the the credit card charger and the longer cable. But if you're only if you're getting the same amount of energy, is that really fake news? Am I really charging on a V4? And that was what the thing that you mentioned to me that I've learned tonight. Yeah. So, but in the meantime, you know what? they will get there to the thousand volt. It just may take another year. Okay, but here's also, it all comes down to communication, of yes. this, both from Tesla and Lucid. But here's one big miscommunication on Tesla's part, which is I've, I'm in the charge your non-Tesla section of my Tesla app right here. Mm -hmm. And I've selected the Brewster, where am I? Brewster, go, New York. Go down a little. Oops. We're on me. How do I get you? I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. That's it's okay. Right. I'm on the Brewster, New York profile right here and it shows 250 kilowatts max now if i go here and i hit this charge here what this is going to do is unlock the magic dock connector yeah there is no possible scenario on this charger i could get 250 kilowatts out of it wait a minute okay this is what i'm trying to get you to hold, understand as well hold on one second if i take if, let's say you're driving a 
a, a Rivian R1T. Let's say I'm let's say I have my Model Y long range, yes. and I take Magic Dock off, mm -hmm. and I plug my Combo One adapter into it. <laughs> yes. I'm pulling two fifty. Okay, that's different. No, what I'm talking about. I, no, no. I just gave you a scenario as to how to do it. Okay, the reason that's different is when you go. This is weird. No reason to ever do this. If you go the Tesla NAX port into the Magic Dock CCS adapter, right? Yeah. And then into the CCS to NAX adapter. Which so I tested. Two adapters. I did that. The car doesn't know there's any adapters there, and it's going to request the 670 plus amps. And I got 250. Okay. So you're correct. There Thank is you. a weird scenario. But let's say <laughs> I hit the Charger non-Tesla, and I actually show up with a non-Tesla vehicle. Okay. There's no scenario in which I can get the stated 250 kilowatt charger. That's a fair point. Okay. That's bad communication. That's lying. Ah. It's lying. You, there's no way. It's limited to 350 amps, and it's limited to 500 volts. Listen, when, when Magic Doc first came out, people were thinking, oh, is it a V2 or a V3? Remember that? And then and I, I went and I looked at all the Magic Docs, and they were all V3s. We were trying to find one to see if there was a V2. So there you would say 250 versus 150. But I get your point. Thank you. And Francie's <laughs> Yeah, in this. <laughs> 43 minutes of us arguing. <laughs> but I think we did some explanation here, which is everyone's wrong. <laughs> everyone's wrong a little bit. Everyone's a little yes. wrong. Yes. That's fair. And everyone's a little right. That is a consistent theme here. Yeah. I mean, this is super interesting and complicated. And, um, yeah, there's parties at fault. Communication is obviously very hard in this industry as well. And I don't know. I don't really know who does it just right. There's a lot of, uh, you know, secrecy or a little bit or a little bit of vagueness, not always showing your cards or being transparent when a lot of us would really appreciate it, especially someone like you, Dave, when you're like, what is your reasoning here? Be honest. Let's talk about it. Uh, but it doesn't always happen. But yeah, yeah. It, any other points before we close out? I do think this is an interesting conversation. I don't yeah. want to cut you off. I think I need to make an out of spec reviews video like presented with some graphics to make this a little bit more clear. But what was supposed to be a quick, you know, one sentence podcast, which is we've never seen a version four charger has turned into 44 minutes of us bickering. Can I just say this wasn't my fault tonight? Yeah, this, this was not your this fault. Was your fault. <laughs> Sorry, but I had to explain. It's the DNA, folks. It, he, he inherited it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> strong genes, strong genes. Yeah, exactly. thanks y'all for hopping on tonight, and thanks everyone for tuning into the Out of Spec podcast. Let us know your thoughts below. We know it's a lot of information, but it is a confusing topic, so that's what happens. Uh, of course, if you enjoy, keep tuning in, and we will see you next time on the Out of Spec podcast. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.